it really is good to be with you today. And, um, and I know that sounds kind of weird, but as we look in the scripture, we find out, like when the Apostle Paul writes some of his letters, he tells the believers in other locations that he's with them in spirit. And it's, there's just something that God does that he knits our community together. And I know that you're surrounded by your home, um, but just allow God to work into your life because he is connecting us together. And, and, and make an extra effort to protect this moment so that God can speak into your heart and just, um, just give you some hope today. You know, we've been talking about the subject of raise to raise, and we're kind of playing off two words that sound exactly the same, but actually mean just the opposite. R-A-Z-E means to tear down, and R-A-I-S-E, well, we all know that it means to raise something up, to lift something up, and that we see a sequence that God does when he's doing something new in people's lives, that he tears down something old, maybe something that's gotten in the way, something that's not healthy, and then he, he begins to reconstruct something new. I mean, we can see that actually taking place in our society right now, that some of the unhealthy things that maybe we've been involved with as a culture, that God's allowing these things to be tore down and that something new is being presented to us to be built up. Um, but through the life of Jesus and through the death and then the resurrection of Jesus, we see that God was tearing down the separation between us and him and giving us access to the Father so that we could have mercy in a time of need. We also saw that God was tearing down the exclusiveness um, of having a relationship with God, that it wasn't just for religious people, that irreligious people are invited also through a relationship in, with Christ to, to have hope and to have faith and to experience being part of the body of Christ. And then last week we talked about new expectations and how God was tearing down old expectations that we have and presenting us new ones. And last week, um, other than the technical difficulties that, to be honest with you, showed me the incredible talent and resourcefulness of the team here at Crosstown, last week was, was really good um, in that um, I'm a realist and I'm a rationalist. Uh, that means that is sometimes difficult for me to believe things that other people can believe a little bit easier. Uh, it's, I'm not saying it's a uh, preferred skill. I'm just saying that's how I am um, I'm made. But when there's a correlation between science and a spiritual principle, that really jacks up my faith. And when we saw uh, Sir Isaac Newton's first law of motion used in application with the resurrection of Christ, uh, that really just spoke home to me. Um, and it really jacks me up. But the big takeaway from last week was the issue of the witnesses of the resurrection bringing back the message to the disciples and that when the disciples saw it, um, they weren't moved. They actually said it was an idle tale. That was their response. And when you look at Sir Isaac Newton's principle that an object that rests remains at rest until it's moved upon by an outside unbalanced force. And it seems that the disciples were just going to remain at rest and that the force of the resurrection story wasn't enough to move them. It, uh, that they were at rest, the kind of the mass of their misery was so great that they just didn't do anything. But then we saw Peter jump up because he desired to be moved by something else. 
He didn't want to remain at rest. So he jumped up, runs to the tomb, and then goes home and marvels over what he saw. And the, the other disciples follow him. What we learned was that when they received the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, that it began to move them out of their misery. It began to change the mass of their lives, of their belief, uh, and empowered them. It began to move the church forward in, in this difficult time. And uh, they were empowered by the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, now dwelt in their mortal bodies, and they began to put the work of God into motion into other people's lives. So that's what God wants to convey to us because a lot of us are being challenged, whether it's by the coronavirus or something personal, uh, maybe we're at rest in our misery. But God wants to stir up something new in us. He wants to tear down the old expectations of dread and he wants to begin to compel us to move forward with new expectations so that we can live empowered lives. Um, you know, but when I look at the disciples and I don't want to get too hard on them because, you know, they were really slow on the uptake of the message of the resurrection. The ladies were right on it. I mean, when they, they saw it, they, they believed it, and they shared it. They were, they were moved by it. But the disciples were a little slow on the uptake. And as we have evidence, when things go bad, faith has a way of scattering. So I don't think we need to really beat them up too much. I think over the last two weeks, we've all been scattered a little bit. And that's exactly what happened to the 12 disciples at the arrest of Jesus. They, they just ran away and, and their feet followed their faith and off they ran. So really their feet kind of was the illustration of the depth of their belief at that particular moment. And it happens to us, the challenge is real around us. And the only reason why we're not running away is because we, there's no place to run. I mean, there's danger wherever we run with this virus. So, um, but there is this understanding that our faith, um, usually um, our feet will follow where our faith leads us. And so sometimes we can find that jitteriness in us is, is telling us something about our faith. And, and it's easy to get bombarded with the news and the latest updates and to turn on Fox News or um, CNN and get the latest update and to begin to find yourself, your feet beginning to shuffle a little bit and beginning to move. And um, one of the things I was thinking, if our feet follow our f faith, then our heads follow our hope. Um, we get our heads down. I mean, literally, we get it down. Or, or to put it a different way, we become downcast. It seems to be the direction that we look. And, and if a forecast is a prediction of the future, then, then being downcast must be, uh, represent a hopeless estimate of the present moment. And, and that's what happens. We become downcast. And our downcast represents what's going on, the level of our hope and where our hope is placed. And it happens to everyone. It, it happens to people in scripture. Matter of fact, it happened to one of the greatest men of faith. And uh, the, the gentleman I'm gonna be talking about, I mean, this guy, even Jesus said was like, he was the top, he was, he was the best. Um, and it, it happens to him. He has a moment happen to him in his life when he becomes downcast, when, um, the estimation of the current moment begins to look real bad and his, his head begins to drop down. 
Well, this guy was a rock. I mean, this, this dude was amazing. Uh, he didn't care what anybody thought. It didn't matter to him. He was on a mission and no one can stop it. Uh, the political forces, the religious forces couldn't stop it. People were just flocking to him. And I mean, it was admirable. I mean, the guy was incredible. Uh, his boldness and his faith were, they were just solid. They were solid right up to the point um, when he got quarantined. And, and that's exactly what happened to him. I mean, that's, it's true. It's, he actually got quarantined. Um, Herod grew to hate John the Baptist because John the Baptist exposed Herod's adulterous relationship to a crowd. I don't know if that's what he was supposed to do, but he did it, and you can imagine it, it didn't go well. So, so Herod had John quarantined. He took John and he put him in prison and, and locked him up, and, and there's where John found himself. Meanwhile, Jesus' ministry has taken off. It's flourishing. His teaching, his miracles, his healings, I mean, everything's just busting loose with Jesus. But here's John. He's sitting in this place, he's quarantined, and he's watching from the sidelines. He's watching from his prison cell as all this is taking place outside. And the time and the hardship that John is going through begin to um, downcast his soul. I mean, he begins to give way to the weight of it, like most of us have experienced over the last couple days, and it happens to all of us. And so John gets downcast about his future that, uh, and he gets downcast so much so that he sends um, messengers to Jesus. I mean, just picture this. Jesus, I mean, John's in prison and he gets up on a stool or something and he, he's in there by himself and he gets up on a stool and there's that hole with the, with the bars and to the outside and he, he's lifting himself up and he's, and he's like, you know, and he's calling over to, to his followers. And, and, and it's interesting what he's going to ask them to do. Let, let me read to you Luke 7, verse 19. And summoning his disciples, John sent them to Jesus saying, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Wow. Now, you gotta realize, this is a real shift for John. I mean, this is the guy that when he baptizes Jesus, he sees the spirit of God descend upon Jesus like a dove. And here's a voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is, uh, this is the same John that when he sees Jesus, he tells his own disciples to go follow Jesus. This is the same John that when he has a conversation with Jesus, that he says that I am unworthy to even tie one of your sandals. So this is a real shift in him. And, um, and that happens to us. And, and maybe you're in one of those shifting moments right now. Hard times um, make you ask questions like, did I get this faith thing right? I mean, am, am I believing the right way? Is, is God really gonna come through for me? Is, is God really there? Um, maybe um, we're saying something to God like, um, are you my hope? Because I, I just can't see it. And there are a lot of times in our life, and it doesn't have to be with the coronavirus, when we just can't see it. 
And John's in that place where he can't see it. He's gotta ask somebody to go see it for him. And becoming downcast, despair, uh, has a way of just getting our head down where we can't see what the future is going to be like and, and we begin to wonder um, about what's gonna happen to us. I, I think that's why God allowed the gospel writers to hear and to record some of the intimate conversations of his own son when he was on the cross. Uh, because we, we hear some really intimate conversations from Jesus. Uh, I think he wanted us to hear the cry of the soul when despair settles in and comes upon it. I, th I think he wanted to, us to hear the vocalization of what downcast feels like. And then I also think he also wanted us to hear what is the only hope for the soul in a moment like that. But in Mark 15, 34, towards the end of Jesus being on the cross and his, his death approaching, we hear Jesus speak to his father and say this, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I mean, just listen to the, the despair in that moment. Now, God didn't turn his back on Jesus. And there are some people that think, well, you know, this is when the father turns his back on the son and uh, for the first time in eternity that they were separated. I don't, I think that's more drama than it is scripture. Um, there is a point when the human soul just can't see its way out of a situation where it just can't see beyond its, its hand. And when the sins of the world are laid upon Jesus, I think his soul is so downcast under the anguish of that moment that he just loses sight of the future. Uh, and, and in that moment of the soul, that anguish of the soul, he just cries out to God. Um, I don't think God turned his back on John either, even though John was left in prison. But there are times when our souls get so overwhelmed and downcast that we just can't see it. So Jesus does the only thing a soul can do in such a moment. Um, a lot of times people will say, well, toughen up or pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I know that may be kind of an old phrase, but Jesus is just pulling himself up in order to be able to breathe. There is, there is no strength right now in Jesus's life. And so, so in the middle of this moment of, of not being able to see past his own hand, Jesus does the only thing that a soul can do in a desperate moment and models it for us and, and says it out loud for us to hear. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Um, there's something humbling about that. There's something... Um, it's just like an emptying of a person. It's, it's like, I've got nothing. And I think maybe we've all been there in a place, maybe in a marriage, where you can't see past your own hand on how this thing's gonna work out, or uh, physically an illness, you can't see or where your career's gonna go, or relationships, or maybe an addiction that you just can't shake and you just can't see past your own hand. Uh, maybe a victimization that's occurred to you that just seems to haunt you and you just can't, 
power your way through. And at this point, this is where Jesus, even though he can't see it, he still prays it. Because deep in his soul, even in despair, he knows what I can't see, my faith can still grasp. And he says, Father, and I'm paraphrasing, I know you can hear this. And I can't do this. So into your hands, I'm committing my spirit. Um, maybe you've prayed a prayer like that. I can't see through this very well, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna need you to help me. Um, maybe I don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but I'm going to trust you with it. Or maybe you've prayed something like, I don't know what in the world, God, you are doing in the world or in my life, but I'm going to put my hope in you because I got nothing. Um, I'm here to tell you that I, th I really believe that God loves this kind of honesty when we're overwhelmed. I don't think God wants us to just toughen up. Um, I, I think God wants this honest moment between us and him. I, I think when you show vulnerability, I think you really do have a relationship there, I, whether it's with a friend or a spouse. When you finally can show some vulnerability before somebody else, I, th I think you get to a place where, okay, now we're going someplace. Now intimacy is develop, developing in this relationship. And doubts may be present in our lives, but God's always present in our lives. Um, faith may be strong, but, you know, I'm glad that God is stronger than faith because if I had to depend on my faith to get me through, um, I'm a goner. I mean, really, I'm a goner, and most of us are. People, it's like, well, it's all about having a strong faith. I was like, well, I understand the power of faith, and I understand that we're called to grow in our faith, but what about when faith, when it fails? I mean, I mean, when we fail, not the faith, but when we just can't do it anymore. When the only thing you can do is to cry out to God because you know he's stronger than what you understand in this moment, what, what you can grasp in this moment, that, that he's got you. And then, as one of the Old Testament writers said, that he, he has us um, engraved in the palms of his hands. I mean, that is so powerful and, and that kind of honesty before God, God values. Um, so I can tell you, and if you've been around me, I have no company with the boastful and the boisterous when it comes to faith. I am not a beat my chest faith kind of person. And I know that's my weakness. It's just a little bit of a, a weakness in my life, but it is true. I, I don't boast a great faith. Um, I, I do believe in a great God, but I do know that there's weakness inside of me. And in those dark moments of pain and, and failure, and, and I've had more and more of that in my life and, and fear in my life, God's grace has always invited me when my faith has failed, when I don't have this anymore, when I can argue my way out of this, uh, that um, God says, just trust me. I got it. I, even when you don't see it, even when you don't see that I got it, God says, listen, I, I got it. I've got you. And King David was somebody that I think 
was like this, and he did a lot of soul God talking. And, and I don't know if you've ever used that phrase before, but soul God talking. Have you ever had a conversation like when you're walking? You don't know if you're, like you're talking to God about you or you're talking to you about you, but you know you're into some stuff. You're into the, like the pluff mud of, of what's going on inside of your life. You're knee deep in it and you're, you're you know, it's pulling you down and the, you know, it's just the suction of it is just, and you're, you're having a conversation with your soul and, and with God and it's kind of all just mixed together. And, and David had this kind of conversation with God that it was one of the most impactful verses I, I ever learned and it became my soul talk with God, uh, particularly when I injured my, my back uh, six months ago and, and I just couldn't see my way out of this problem. And the doctors couldn't see my way out of this problem and I couldn't see the way out of the pain or my future. I mean, I, I, just, I, I just couldn't see a way. I mean, I was just totally overwhelmed. And I remembered Psalm 42, 11. And here's what David said in his soul God talk. He said this, why so downcast, O my soul? And why um, are you disquieted within me? Because it happens. I mean, there are times when, and David realized it's like, wow, I am not really handling this well. I am really in, uh, in the mud with this one. I'm, I am really, my soul is just so out of place and, I, and I'm just not processing this real well. And, and maybe you're sitting there today and, and that's where you are. And, and sure, coronavirus is, is probably one of the top ones. What, what's going to happen to our money? What's going to happen to the jobless rate? What's, you know, 100,000 people dying. I mean, and, and maybe you're, you're looking around at loved ones and, and, and you're just like, oh my goodness. And you just don't have an answer. And you're starting to get scared of the people that walk through the door and backing up when they approach you or talk to you or covering your face and and, and you're like, oh my goodness, this has really got a hold of me. And David said, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you in despair within me? And then he gives us the remedy that Christ spoke from the cross. The only thing that the soul can do in a moment like this, when an answer doesn't just fix it, when a president cannot just alleviate it, um, when nature doesn't align itself with our purposes. He says, hope in God. Just trust in God. Hope in God. And he says, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. It's like, I will, I will praise God in this moment. And, and because he is the health of my countenance. And, and I love the way that he says my countenance because he said he was downcast. He was referring to the downward gaze of an estimation of a, of a bad moment. And he says, he's the health of my countenance, which emanates from the confidence of the soul. And he says, I will praise him who will give health to my soul and will change my countenance in this desperate moment. And he is my God. And elsewhere in Psalm 3.3, he says, you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Wow. Um, what a beautiful picture of a father. Um, the idea of, of when you, you get down and somebody takes their hand, the father takes their hand and they 
they raise your eyes up. They lift you by the chin so that you can look with hope into the, the heart of God the Father. And David said, you're a shield about me. You're my, you're my glory, and you're the lifter of my head. Um, CNN can't lift my head. And, and yes, there would be some medical news that would kind of lift me up a little bit. Maybe there would be some financial um, outlooks that could possibly, you know, help me a little bit. But when it came down to it, David realized, God, you're the only one who can lift my head. Everything else that I let lift my head fails at one time or another. Your spouse can only hold your head up so long. Um, your job can only give you um, an upward look for so long. Your health, all those things at some time will fail you. But David said that God is the lifter and the glory of my head. So to answer John, Jesus sends back a message. And the message is this, to lift John's head. He says, tell John that the blind see, that the lame walk, that the lepers are cleansed, and that the deaf hear and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So you go back and, and give him this, that he may have hope. To Jesus, God gives hope on the third day when the Father raises Jesus from the dead. And to answer us, Jesus sends the Spirit of God who reminds us of the words of Jesus himself when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. See, that's the message that is the glory and the lifter of our heads. Everything else is just news. But there's only one thing that has the power to lift our heads, and it's not always having the answer of what's going to happen next. It is the presence of the I am. The I am your resurrection. I'm your hope. I am your glory, and, and I am the lifter of your head. And by the way, we're told in Hebrews 13:5 that Jesus said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. We have not been abandoned. Jesus wasn't abandoned. John wasn't abandoned. And we won't be abandoned. We won't be abandoned because of our failures. So whatever it is that you can't see past, whatever guilt that you struggle with, that you just can't, you're, you're not going to be abandoned. Um, put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Um, he won't abandon us because of our illness. He won't abandon us because of the mess of, that maybe we've made out of our marriages or out of our lives. He doesn't just say, hey, you guys are too messed up. I'm out. Um, he won't abandon us because of the world crisis and the resurrection of Jesus as we learned last week, is not an idle tale, but if we allow it to move upon the mass of our lives, it will set us in motion because it proves that we are not abandoned by God in the most difficult of times. You know, I've come to discover that maybe there are times when God will allow circumstances to um, drop our jaws 
or allow our heads to drop. Not that God causes them, but, but maybe God allows these kinds of moments to happen to us in humanity collectively, to drop our jaws, to, uh, to maybe kick from underneath us the things that we glory in that really aren't the glory uh, and the lifter of our heads that last forever. Uh, not because God is so self-centered and needs our ab- uh, admir- admiration, um, because he doesn't want us to be disappointed by what we put our hope in. And he knows everything around us will disappoint us eventually, except for him. Maybe it's because that what has been holding up our heads really isn't something that we should be using to raise up our souls. Maybe our professions, maybe our job titles, our education, our wealth, our cars, our stuff, our physical abilities, our, our looks. Maybe God's like, listen, you know, I'm gonna kick that a little bit, that away from you a little bit because that, that can't hold up a soul because all those things are fleeting and passing. But he wants to speak to us the greatest of all stories that can move upon our souls Um, that he will never leave us nor forsake us and that he is with us and that in the darkest moments when we cannot see past our own hands, that he will not forsake us, that he is our hope. And as we go into this moment of expressions and and sing this song of worship and kind of surrendering uh, to him, it's our moment of, of just taking what we've heard from the word of God and getting alone with God and protect this moment. Don't, don't just think to yourself, well, there's just one more song coming. I'm going to click, oh, click and get going with the rest of my day. But let this be a moment where you allow God to move into your life, where you allow him to speak hope into your life. Let this be a moment where you praise the God who is the health of your countenance that you put your trust back in him. And maybe it drifted a little bit like it did with John. Um, Maybe even like with Jesus, when he just couldn't see past his hands on the cross. Um, Let this be a time when we commit our souls to the heavenly father who will be faithfully to um, care for those things in our lives as we cast our lives upon him. Heavenly father, we just come into this incredible moment with you when everything else, as it's been revealed in the world around us, has the ability to pass away, to to fail us, that the darkness can come so suddenly and swift upon us, and that our reason just can't find a way out of the darkness and despair that our soul is encountering. But today, Lord God, You're inviting us to put our trust in you, to taste and see that the Lord is good and that he is the glory and the lifter of our heads. Let me encourage you as we go into this this last moment of worship with God, just put all the distractions aside and just allow your heart to cry out to God and have this moment of intimacy and vulnerability with a heavenly father who loves you so much.